Hello, I'm joined here today with some of our pastors here at Hardin Baptist Church. We have Pastor Corey, we have Pastor Chris Lawrence, who is our college minister, and then we also have our brother Ricky, our senior pastor here. And today we just, on this Good Friday, we just wanted to do a discussion with our pastors about the cross. And so I wanted to start off this discussion by reading some verses about the cross. And these verses you're going to notice, some are from the Old Testament and some are from the New, because the cross is all over um, the Bible. So let's start with Genesis 3.15, and it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and he esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. Romans 6, 1-4, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So all of these scriptures are found throughout um, all of the Bible, not just the New Testament. When we see the act of the cross happen, they're all over the place. And so I just wanted to start, first of all, by defining what is the cross? What did it mean in Jewish society? Um, the symbol of the cross, we wear it sometimes as women around our neck. We um, put it on our car. But what would it have meant to them? Well, if you can imagine wearing an electric chair around your neck or electric chair as an earring, that's what it would have been to the Jewish society. The cross to the Jewish society was the death penalty. Mm -hmm. It basically meant that a person had been tried, they had been found guilty of a heinous crime that they would have to forfeit their life for. So if you can imagine just someone being on death row and awaiting either a lethal injection or, or the electric chair years ago, uh, that's what it would have meant in their society. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, like to point out too. It's not something the Jews did. No, this was a Roman right. thing, and so that's why. Think about the trial. Why they bring Jesus to Pilate? Why they get the Romans involved here? Because the Jews didn't crucify. This was a heinous thing the Romans did, because uh, they were the superpower, and this was a way to man stop criminal activity. Right. Exactly. And they would do it in public places. This would be on the streets. Um, people would be, uh, man, hanging on a cross, yeah. and it was an offensive thing. And even to the Romans, if you read historically, it was not something that you talked about. Uh, it wasn't polite to mention the cross, like at a dinner table. Kids weren't allowed to talk about it. Like, it was a very stigmatized thing, and uh, it was offensive. Um, so it would have been something that, you know, you might have kids now, you try to keep them from news stories. You're trying to keep your kids from hearing about crucifixions and the cross though it's everywhere because they would see in public places dad who's that guy why is he why is he hanging on the cross well don't be like that guy mm -hmm. um it was very very offensive uh, in that time just as you were saying like this is it, it's not a symbol of of joy and excitement like we as a church we have three crosses at our stage <laughs> like to a jewish person that would be insane to think about a cross in their temple like this is not something that we would uh, love and enjoy so what in the Old Testament points us to the cross? I think when you think about Jesus dying on the cross, our minds automatically go to the Gospels of the event and when that happened. 
but we know that it was prophesied. And mm-hmm. so let's talk about that for a little bit. What in the Old Testament is pointing us directly to the cross? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris, you got any, you going to start us off? Well, one of my, I think there's, of course, several passages at the very beginning, and Katie, I think, read Genesis 3, but one of my favorite passages, I think that is just a huge faith builder for me, is, uh, of course, the Abrahamic covenant, and specifically Genesis 22, mm-hmm. and even uh, the picture and the promise there it's given. Mm-hmm. Uh, the picture, I remember even my brother Ricky preaching through Hebrews and making the connection there that when... Abraham was sending up Isaac, and of course you tell the story about getting. This is the one morning that you would sleep in, right? And then the pro, the promise is he's believing if any of he sacrifices his son, that he will raise his son from the dead. And what has been very helpful for me as well is uh, Robbie Gowdy came out with a book and even really fleshing out even more of the context that was going on at the cross. Uh, the same exact time that Jesus is dying on the cross, you have the Jewish people calling out to God to remember the promise with Abraham, uh, to remember that sacrificial lamb that was on that mountain in Genesis 22 to truly uh, get for God to be faithful to that promise. And that's the reason it's such a faith builder for me is that either that's a pure coincidence uh, there or really is God moving, showing that he really did fulfill his promise on that moment at the cross. That book he mentioned is called Forgotten Jesus by Robbie Gallaty. Corey and I have both read that too. And it's, if you, as you're listening to us and you're like, I've never thought about these things from a Jewish lens, that's what that book really does for you. It gets you in the mindset of what um, Jewish culture is like and how its significance is played over into the cross and all throughout Jesus's life, really. One of my, you know, Exodus, when God uh, tells Moses kind of who he is, shows him his glory. Man, one of those just really, really rich passages in the Old Testament. Uh, Exodus 34, verse 6 says, The Lord passed before him uh, and proclaimed. So God's talking to Moses. He says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children and their children's children to the third and fourth generation. And to see just this beautiful picture of what we know about God, that he's a God of mercy and love and compassion and goodness and just just grace. Um, And he's really showing Moses, hey, this is who I am. I'm a God that's giving grace. I'm a forgiving God. But then you have this statement, but who will by no means clear the guilty. And that's a problem because, A, everyone is guilty. So how can God be merciful and gracious if he's also not going to clear the guilty. And so there's this tension of, okay, God's holy, we're sinful, but God's also merciful. But his mercy can't overstep his holiness. God has to be both merciful, but it has to be in a way that's also uh, protects his holiness. And so there's really this tension of how's God going to pull this off? And uh, we see ultimately that at the cross, that it's at the cross God doesn't clear um, he, he doesn't wipe away uh, the guilty, but instead he takes their guilt and he punishes Jesus. Uh, so Jesus becomes that one who allows God to by no means clear the guilty. He's not sweeping sin under the rug. No, God deals with it at the cross in Christ mm-hmm. so that he can forgive mm-hmm. us. Um, and I love even, um, I think it was Dane Ortland who kind of pointed this out uh, to me um, in his book, Gentle and Lowly, to really another fantastic book. But he says, you know, talk about God's mercy and his grace. Um, he even says to, to thousands, and even in, in a lot of places, to thousands of generations is God's love and his mercy. But then his, his wrath is to like the second and third generation that his wrath is often short. His wrath is, it's not the, the, just the, the nature of God to be wrathful towards everyone. No, he's loving and gentle and compassionate and ultimately see the cross um, is the way that he accomplished where, and he, he wants to save and he does that through the cross of Christ. Um, you know, we've always talked about how the songwriter sometimes can take what it takes us preachers 45 minutes mm-hmm. to preach about they can write a three-minute song, have a couple of verses and a bridge. And when we talk about the Old Testament, one of my favorite Old Testament psalms is Psalm 22. Mm-hmm. To realize that Israel had a hymnal book, mm-hmm. a, a book of hymns, 
And the 22nd Psalm, listen to this, starts out this way. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he says, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It melted within my breath. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of the earth. A company of evildoers encircles me. Listen to this. They have pierced my hands and feet. I count. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Wow. Mm-hmm. David yeah. penned this as a songwriter uh, in just amazing. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, Chris, is this a coincidence? Mm-hmm. No. Is Corey's passage a coincidence? No. Mm-hmm. This was God preparing his people, the children of Israel, to see that they had the cross with them in their history this whole time mm-hmm. so that ultimately when the Jewish Messiah come, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. of why he was coming and how he was going to deal with our sin through mm-hmm. a cross. And, and ultimately it's pointing to the fact that Rome wasn't the problem. Mm-hmm. The problem with man is not without. The problem with man is within. So with that being said, it seems like, you know, for us looking at this, it's like, how did they How did they miss it? And in the Gospels, um, why did the disciples not understand the cross? Because, like I said, when we read, like especially that passage you read, it seems like they should have known this was coming and this is what was going to happen. Great question. Why did they not understand? I think as as Christians, um, a lot of times we want to just shake the disciples. Be like, what? Like, why did you not get this? Um, But I think for one, it really uh, demonstrates like just the profound event of both the cross and the resurrection that, you know, a lot of people will say, well, they were just primed to this. This was kind of what they were all getting used to. And so they kind of made up the story. And these guys weren't. Um, prime to this event like they in no way thought and I think really you probably have a little bit of okay there's the Messiah coming who's the king who's going to rule and reign and then there's also the suffering servant that Isaiah 53 talks about who in some ways is going to die for our people and I think most of them probably thought those were two different people that there's going to be somebody's going to die and there's going to be somebody's going to reign and so they're asking Christ hey are you the Christ are you the one who's going to reign and they could not imagine that those two were actually one person, that the one who was going to reign is also the one who was going to die. And they really couldn't imagine that the one who was going to die is God. So I think just, you, you got to imagine, they're thinking of this forever Messiah as a, as a son after David. They can't imagine he's God's son, and then God is going to die on their behalf. So I think we look at it from a Christian lens and say, oh, we know this, and we've got even 2,000 years of history that we're standing on. You know, you look at the early church. They grappled with these questions. Like, what does this mean? Is Christ really God? Is he really man? Like, did this really happen? So I think sometimes we read the Bible and think, man, they should have known this, but we have a lot of people that have helped us understand this, and we're looking back on the cross. They were seeing it in real time, and uh, they, they they weren't getting it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that is the main reason. You know, we, we understand even when John the Baptist sent when he was in prison, he sent word to Jesus, are you here or do we look for another? And John the Baptist being raised in the Essene community where ultimately we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, we know that the Essenes who had pulled out of religious life in Jerusalem actually read the Old Testament and did understand there were two two people that was a suffering servant but the messiah they were looking for was not the suffering servant they were looking for the king who would have all the qualities of saul and david and solomon rolled into one and so that's why they did not understand jesus and who he was and then you got to remember they firmly believed that the blood of the bulls and goats was taking care of their sin so they didn't need a lamb of god to come and die on the cross as we know was God's plan because they didn't have the truth. They didn't have the full revelation of God. And that's where we have the advantage. You know, we still miss it. We got yeah. You know, there's times I read about Israel and read about the disciples and realize, duh, how did I miss that too? But we see uh, the cross through the full lens of God's revelation in his person of Jesus Christ. And before that, uh, no one had that full light like we have. But to hit on what you were saying too, I, 
in one minute you want to strangle them, the next minute I feel encouraged because yes, it's so true. Uh, they yeah. hear again. And what's so humbling too is you've got to when these when the gospels are being written, the main source they're getting from are the disciples, now apostles. Mm-hmm are basically confessing their errors yeah. as they're writing so yeah. it's not like you have a bunch of superheroes here you have a bunch of flawed people that continue to mess up again and again mm-hmm. Christ gets all the glory and then Christ gets the glory to see how these people have messed up in so many ways are redeemed and made right with God mm-hmm. and I think too you kind of see that reality of like the crosses you know it's a stumbling block to Jesus it's foolishness to the Greeks yeah. but to us who believe it's the power of God so if you're a Christian and you believe in the cross um, be very thankful because, man, that is God's power to yeah, save in right. your life. Um, because, the, you know, there's some ways that, you know, they were less primed to get the cross, but there were some ways that they were more primed than us. Mm-hmm. And I know even that book, Robbie Gowdy, mm-hmm. he points out to a scholar, and I forgot his name, but he says the Old Testament sacrifice, it gave the people of Israel a reflex. Mm-hmm. When you sin, there has to be blood. Mm-hmm. And so all the people, the reflex was, I sinned, okay, blood's got to happen. Mm-hmm. Today, there's no reflex mm-hmm. of if you sin, yeah. there has to be blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about how squirmish we are to blood. Yeah. If you watch Mark Madness, when one speck of blood yeah. happens on an athlete, yeah. I mean, the whole game shuts down. You can imagine in Rome, like the gladiator event, they're like slaughtering people and kids <laughs> right. are eating popcorn. Right. Like blood is like the normal thing. Now in today's culture, blood is like so taboo that we can't even have a player with blood on his cheek right. when we're not you know, sweeping the whole place. And so we don't have a reflex of my sin deserves blood. So I think you know they weren't primed for a cross, but we aren't either. You really believe and I really believe on myself that, you know, my sin's really not that bad. It really doesn't deserve blood. It doesn't deserve death. It's only the word of God that tells us, no, the wages of sin is death. That's right. And that death is what necessitates a cross. So, man, if you're a believer, be thankful right. that God showed you right. your sin needs right. blood. And if you're not a believer, um, man, I pray that the Spirit would open your eyes to see that your sin does need blood. It shows, too, how much, to go back to your first question, really, how scandalous the cross was mm. for them that, they should have gotten it, but there's just no way their Messiah could have been on that cross. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. 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 Talked about this a little bit in the answer to the last question, but how does the New Testament point us back to the cross? Man, that's a. I mean, I think. I mean, everything kind of goes back. You know, you got the Old Testament pointing to the cross. Uh-huh. You know, the New Testament. You know, everything's going back to the cross, and I think you know for Paul. It, you know, his whole message was wrapped up in Christ crucified, right. you know, and that's his little code word to here's the here's the gospel. Here's the Christ event. It's Christ crucified. And, and by that, he also meant resurrection. So I think sometimes we stop at the cross, but it's the cross and the resurrection is how man, all of our life as a Christian is to be lived and you know, all the you know, ways we're supposed to obey. It's how do we obey God? How do we live out our Christian life? It's through Christ in us now, Christ crucified. It's through his death and resurrection um, that the New Testament always point back and encourage us with, hey, remember the cross. And I think that's why it's so key, you know, to make sure we get this. That's why the New Testament's always saying, as it is written. Yeah. As it is written. Or this fulfills the prophecy. Yeah. So they're always making sure it takes us back that we understand this was not something they just put together and made up that all of this is based on a book that God mm-hmm. had given them, mm-hmm. uh, the Jewish Bible, mm-hmm. uh, our Old Testament, so to speak. That was their word. And so the New Testament writers are always trying to ground the reality mm-hmm. of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and all of salvation in uh, the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. That's why we just see that this fulfills and then it'll tell what it fulfills or as it is written. Mm-hmm. Why is it important for us to know what happened on the cross? I think for me, it's hard, like, I don't want to watch The Passion of the Cross again. It's too much. Like, so why is it important for us to know what took place and to read those hard passages about what happened? Yeah. I'll, I'll start out. One of the things that, even with the college ministry, that we try to really <coughs> make sure our college students know is that when they go to a different church and they leave hard in one of the first questions we want them to ask is, okay, what does the church believe about what happened on the cross? Because a lot of, I mean, Christian churches are going to say, yeah, we believe that Jesus died, but what happened there on that? And if Jesus just died as a good moral example, 
uh, or if Jesus died taking on the wrath of God, there's huge implications on where that goes. And I remember even, it's probably been close to 10 years from now, there was an author that some of our students were starting to really read and watch videos of, and, and uh, he just was sort of vague on some concepts. And then it turns out he had a guy in his pulpit, uh, a guy named Stephen Chalk, that basically said the atonement uh, was, uh, propitiation was cosmic child abuse. Mm -hmm. And then that author ends up uh, basically now believes in almost a universalism. And I really do believe his downfall was really denying what was really going on at the cross. So I think it's just so many, I think even the way we live the Christian life out, to truly not to truly understand propitiation and atonement. It wasn't just Jesus being a good moral example. There are two other guys dying on a cross. As bad as a cross was, there was something different about him dying and him experiencing the wrath of God and implications for how we live the Christian life and how we forgive and how we love others and our own identity. I think it's very, very, very foundational to truly understand what happened at the cross. You can tell Chris is in the college ministry yeah. <laughs> and they like to ask all the yeah. hard things, yeah, which is awesome. But for just the normal everyday person, let's define some of the big words you use. Propitiation, atonement, pastors, define those for us. I know we hear them thrown out, even at church on Sunday, but there may be people listening today that don't understand. what does. Let's start with atonement. What does atonement mean? Yeah, so I mean atonement, you're making... So there's an estranged, you know, friendship. There are two parties that are odds with one another. So atonement, you are atoning for that problem. You're atoning for sin. So there's a breach that's happened. There's a need. Obviously, our sin puts us at odds with God. So the atonement, um, there's different kind of ways you can take that. There's a buying back. There's a paying for. Um, and even, you know, you mentioned about what does the cross do. And I think one of those big words think about is like penal substitution. That's kind of a very like, you know, fancy word. But, but it really is helpful when you think about that because penal has to do with penalty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There is a penalty to your sin, and that is you owe God death. Mm -hmm. Like there is a real penalty, a legal standing before God that you are wrong before him in a real legal sense. And then substitution is he took your place on the cross. So mm -hmm. in the in the legal system of God, you deserve to die. Jesus took your place. So that's penal substitution. And that's really how atonement was made. That's how uh, your wrong standing before God became a right standing before mm -hmm. God. Your enemy status was changed to friendship. So um, that's one way to kind of explain um, the atonement. Yeah. Yeah. So, that the, so what you're saying is the offering of Jesus satisfied mm -hmm. God's justice, God's wrath. Mm -hmm. So it yeah. turned God's wrath away from us so that God was propitiated. Yeah. Is that how we would say that for, for, for folks? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, yeah, and that's that beautiful, yeah, do you want to help? No, and then I think you have, yeah, and you have expiation where, mm -hmm. and that's where we're tying old and new together, where you would have uh, the wrath is satisfied, and then, of course, in Old Testament, uh, by a sacrificial system, the wrath is satisfied, and, of course, uh, the sin has left the camp. And that's mm -hmm. the thought is, is that through what happened at the cross, God's wrath has been satisfied, but then has left the camp. So then we're no longer identified by our sin as well because mm -hmm. of what he did for us. Yeah, yeah. And you know, when you think about the cross, you know, I think for just me, uh, it, it shows that, you know, we talk about sweeping something under mm -hmm. the rug, you know. Yeah. God couldn't. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And so I think this reveals the holiness, holiness. of mm -hmm. God. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so, so when we talk about the cross, we're talking about the nature of God. We're talking about the nature of man. Man is sinful, sinful, sinful. Mm -hmm. God is holy, holy, holy. Mm -hmm. In order for God to make us right with him, he had to deal with what was wrong with us. Mm -hmm. And what was wrong with us, we were a sinner. And so ultimately, he sent his son into this world like us in a body just like ours and as we like to say at heart and he lived the life we couldn't mm -hmm. to ultimately go to the cross and die the death we mm -hmm. should have but understand when he was dying on that cross mm -hmm. I know there's a romantic view we have mm -hmm. of the cross you know yeah. the nails the mm -hmm. suffering the beating the flogging and all that was horrible mm -hmm. but there was two other guys who faced that That's same right. thing mm -hmm. that day yeah. okay uh, but on that cross God laid mm -hmm. our sin mm -hmm. on Jesus. When we talk about laying our sin on him, mm -hmm. he became the sin offering. Right. Mm -hmm. And in becoming, wow, the sin offering, you understand that mm -hmm. he's paying our penalty. He had to be separated from God. And wow, in God's infinite, he, in, in, in being 
infinite God, somehow he could take me being in hell forever and ever and ever mm-hmm. and put that on mm-hmm. Jesus. And Jesus, as God, was separated from his father. They had always been one. Now they're separated. And when he gets separated from his father on that cross, he pays our sin mm-hmm. debt. Mm-hmm. And that satisfies the wrath of God. God looked down and mm-hmm. saw that, wow, mm-hmm. the sin debt, the penalty that we should pay, completely paid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is just amazing. You know what I'm saying? I think about when you were talking about the holiness of God, sinfulness of man, like things like I'm a child of God and I'm a friend of God. That can only be possible because of the cross. To feed off that, Katie, just even when Hebrews talks about you can draw near to God. I mean, the more we understand the holiness and the more we understand our sin, that thought is just absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. John Stott in his book, The Cross of Christ, which is a fantastic book. Um, but one of his lines there, he says at the cross, it was self-satisfaction through self-substitution. Mm-hmm. That's good. And that's that God satisfied his own wrath mm-hmm. by substituting himself yeah. through the person of yeah. his son. And I think, man, that just rich word uh, that we've had all about propitiation, you know. And if you have an NIV, if you go to like Romans 3, mm-hmm. um, it'll be a sacrifice. Yeah. And that is the point of it. But ESB will leave it as... He was our propitiation for our sins. And that word propitiation, it kind of makes you think about what what does that exactly mean? Well, if you go to the Older Testament, um, if you look at that lid of the mercy seat, um, that was actually a translation of propitiation. So it's actually the mercy seat, that place where the blood was put, where God's wrath was absorbed and done away with. That is that propitiation. So Jesus, in a real sense, is our mercy seat. He's that place in the Holy of Holies um, where God's wrath for you and for me was satisfied. Mm -hmm. Um, And now it turns from wrath to love. Mm -hmm. And just, man, that beautiful picture of halismas, propitiation. It's that, ah, man, God, I deserve God's wrath and punishment. But Jesus, you know, I think you've maybe preached this or heard an illustration of it, but it's like you think about you're standing in front of like the Hoover Dam and that thing bursts and all that water is coming right at you, like just the full weight of this. You're about to die. And then the last moment, the earth, just a huge hole comes open and all that water is swallowed. And now you're standing there like, you know, fine and alive. And that's what, man, Jesus Christ took on the full wrath you could in no way endure. He endured it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, we know why. Because he was forsaken for us. That's right. And that's the beauty of the cross. And putting all this together, Paul said it this way, talking about believers, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And then here it is. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. So this act reveals that God is just, but because he is just and has dealt with sin, he can justify the one who puts his faith in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I heard um, the song yesterday, and I heard this line for the first time. Y'all have not heard it before, but it says, um, you never change, but you change everything. Mm -hmm. And I think about the cross, and I think about that line, because he... He had to uphold his character yeah. as God, which yeah. was holy, holy, holy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the cross yeah. changed everything yeah. for us yeah. Yeah. in well, our standing before yeah. God. Yeah, one of the tensions in the Old Testament, I think it was a Piper sermon he put it. I was like, man, that's that's powerful. Talk about King David. You know, King David, he had some bad falls. You know, he went and slept with Bathsheba and, you know, this whole thing. And ends up having Uriah killed to kind of cover it up. And then Nathan comes and calls him out. And David basically repents. Yeah. And then God's like, okay, it's all good. And we kind of read that as like, man, this great story. Right. And uh, Piper said, what about Uriah's mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What did Uriah's mom have to say about that? Mm-hmm. Like, hold up. Mm-hmm. This king killed my son, slept with my daughter-in-law, and is now raising my grandkids. Hold up. (laughs) Like, this is not okay. And I think you see that tension of God's forgiving, but where's justice? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There has to be justice for sin. And then what you see is, what you just read, that he is the justifier by the cross. That on the cross, all of those things that God forgave 
Christ ultimately took those punishments and payments so that God could still be holy, still be good, and tell Uriah's mom, hey, that David sinned, man, Jesus took it. And Jesus, the one that has paid in full what David did wrong. And so by you saying that that recorded then, basically, if I'm understanding what you're saying, is then my ability to forgive somebody right. else mm. is not rooted in me, but it's rooted right. in what right. I believe about the cross. That's right. Because at the cross, God not only dealt with what I did wrong, he dealt, he dealt with what everybody else had done wrong toward me. Yeah. That's right. So if I want my sins to be forgiven, then I should be willing to forgive others. That's right. Because yeah. that's the fruit of the cross as well. That's exactly where I was going. And one, I think the more we understand what exactly happened at the cross, the more we'll be able to love and forgive others. And I think a good passage on this is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. Mm-hmm. So we have an example to follow based on what happened. Mm-hmm. And so, so here it is. So you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Mm-hmm. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in turn. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Mm-hmm. I love this next phrase. But continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So that God is going to be just. Mm-hmm. Either by being just by the punishment that was put on the cross mm-hmm. for him. And then if someone doesn't come to Christ, they'll be justice as well for eternity on that person as well. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And I think the more I realize how I've been healed mm-hmm. by what he did for me on the cross, mm-hmm. that two realities are what if I want to display justice on somebody, I have to remember the justice that Christ yeah. took on my the wrath that he took on my behalf. Or I have to remember as well as if they have not come to Christ, whatever I want done to them. The Father is going to take care of it for me on that, and I can definitely rest in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Ephesians 4. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Mm-hmm. And yep. again, the cross, you know, yep. I love that. Be kind to one another. Um, I can't think of a probably more uh, strange thing in our culture uh, to be kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like we are, man, we're good at yelling, we're good at arguing, we're good at Facebook rants, right. we're good at, you know, hey, they're not with my party. They're not with my tribe. Right. They're the enemy. I'm going to go after them. And man, here's be kind and tenderhearted. Mm-hmm. Um, why would I do those things? Mm-hmm. Because, man, first of all, Christ right. is gentle and lowly. He's, he's tender. He's kind in his heart um, to all people, even his enemies. And man, how can I be a person that forgives and gives generosity? Well, because that's what God did in Christ for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's that through the cross, man, we live out a different life and we should stick out from the world that we're those who get revived that's we don't revile back that's right that's right um, but man we um, we love and that's what's so encouraging about the cross as well is I think our society is it's becoming more secular it, they're still wanting justice mm-hmm. and it's still wanting a way for the society to be cleansed but they don't have a grid to really think through how that can be accomplished. And that's where the cross does that, is that justice is made so that things can be be made right. And at the same time as the cross can make us clean, no matter what's happened to us. And I think the more society becomes more secular, the more the, the message of the cross is going to stick out even more. Yeah. And, and ultimately... Uh, we see this in the, you know, in morning social justice, uh, but you'll never really have man being right with each other until mm-hmm. men are right with God. That's good, yeah. It's with us being right with God that lets us be right with each other. And then again, that goes back to the cross. Mm-hmm. We have the vertical bar that yeah. reminds us to be right with him. Then we have the horizontal bar yeah. that once we are right with him, then we are right yeah. with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is why traditionally in history, it's the church and Christians who have been the one that have been out front on wanting uh, uh, a society where people treat each other kindly and fairly mm-hmm. and justly because of the cross. Yeah. Yeah. We know what God's done for us, and he wants that right. for others. Yeah. It's, it's like slavery, civil rights, right. all those yeah. are like, they're Christians who are pushing yeah. to say, hey, yeah. hold on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like These are image yeah. bearers of God. Like We've yeah. got to get these yeah. things right. That's right. It's just so simple, I feel like. If we just have the right view of God and the right view of man, mm-hmm. it seems like everything else sort of Absolutely. falls into place. Yeah. 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 
All right, well, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second and also echo. So this is to Chris. This is <laughs> <laughs> I think Brother Ricky's going to want to take this one. But Ooh. I want to echo the words of Paul when he's, is he's kind of doing the same thing, but he's saying, what shall we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Let's just keep on sinning. If we're in Christ, let's. He's died for our sins, so let's just, it's okay. Just live however you want to. And he immediately answers Absolutely. his own question and says, by no means. Absolutely. But let's talk about that idea of Christ dying Amen. to sin, for our yeah. sin. How should we, as believers, think of ourselves before yeah. God? Yeah. Um, awesome. Give it a timer. Lynn. Yeah, yeah. This is a three-minute. I, 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 I want to take this one because, again, most of the time when we talk about salvation and we talk about the cross, and we focus on the Gospels and even the New Testament. We focus on Christ dying for sin. He died for our sin. He died to pay the penalty. And I'm going to make sure everybody understands this. I know this is a little bit controversial, but here's what we believe here at Harden based on Scripture. When Christ died for sin, he died for all sin. Mm -hmm. So therefore, when a person gets saved, they don't just get saved for past sin. They get saved for past sin, present mm -hmm. sin, future mm -hmm. sin. And that shows grace is greater than sure. sin. And therefore, whoa, Paul do play devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. What shall we say then? But we have to understand that on the cross and in Christ's life, he's not only coming to die for sin, he come to die to sin. So he didn't come just to forgive us of our sin, to remove sin from us as a penalty, mm -hmm. but also as a power. So yeah. when it says he died to sin, what he's talking about there is he took on the power of sin in our flesh mm -hmm. and actually condemned it, Romans 8, 1 through 4, and he condemned sin in our flesh so that as a believer, we have been set free from the power of sin within us. So when Christ died on that cross and we get saved, we identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. So the old person that we were, the sinner that was alive to sin, dead to God, dies, and we become brand new. And this brand new person is actually alive to God, dead to sin. So we are set free from sin. So here's the key. A Christian is not free to sin. Mm -hmm. A Christian is free not to sin, not to live his life under the power of sin anymore. And that's the glory that's of the right. cross. And, and as you said earlier, when we talk about the cross, we have to include the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Because in our salvation, Christ didn't just die but he was resurrected, so that old person dies, new person comes up. And that's why we get baptism, baptized. Baptism pictures that to society, that our faith for salvation is in God who, wow, made us brand new in Christ. So the old man's dead, new man's alive. It's amazing in Scripture you have like... I had 15 seconds left over. Hey, that was good. And you didn't even say it. we're saints. So wait, are you saying we're still sinners? Oh, no, 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 we are not. <laughs> or we have a new identity. Saved by grace. We were. I knew they were going to do this. Yeah, we were sinners, and we were saved by grace. But once we get saved, we're a saint who can still occasionally sin, but cannot live a lifestyle of sin. Yeah, and I, I think it's you know you see in Scripture there's like two ditches mm -hmm. that you know people come to even even at the cross, and this is what. The New Testament writers, as you're saying, pointing back to the cross, they're trying to untangle. And one is like antinomianism, which is like just no law. Like we don't need anything now. We don't need rules. We're free people. The cross has has freed us from the law. So we can just live however we want. Um, so you had all these people who are doing pagan stuff now, and they're having to say, no, the cross, again, it's not doesn't set you free from sin. It makes you where you don't have to uh, sin anymore. So we got that that freedom uh, in a different way, not do whatever you want, but to please God. And then the other one is legalism. Mm -hmm. And so, man, now to the cross will add the law and add all these to-do things. So usually there's two ways that we can That's have good. ditches. One's legalism. One is just freedom, do whatever I want. But, man, the cross, it actually, through the cross and resurrection, for a believer, it empowers our obedience. Mm -hmm. And That's so when good. we come to Scripture, we can actually obey what God says, not in our own flesh, but because of the cross. Mm -hmm. And so now, um, as I think Tony Marito will say, um, that we as believers, we work not for righteousness, but now we work from righteousness. Mm -hmm. Because of the cross and the resurrection, we've been made righteous. We're saints now. Mm -hmm. So we don't try to earn righteousness through legalism. We don't ignore righteousness through freedom, doing whatever we want. But instead, we work from righteousness, from the imputed righteousness of Christ given to us in the cross and resurrection. We can live a life of obedience to God. So when you go to Scripture and it tells you to do something, 
you can actually obey that. That's right. Not because you're really good and you can try really hard, but because, as Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, because Christ crucified is now Christ in me. Amen. And because he's in me, he can now live through me to please yeah. and glorify God. That's right. I had a former pastor who used to say, when you get saved, God gives you a, a, a new want to. Mm-hmm. He changes your want yeah. to. Where you used to want to do this, now you want to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why there's such a transformation when a person comes to know Jesus Christ. But yeah. that's even something, the benefit of being on the other side of the cross, too. The Holy Spirit's not just with, but the Holy Spirit is, is mm-hmm. in He is in us now. And the power we have of that because of that is mm-hmm. so comforting and encouraging. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes I think it's both, like, you know, we almost. You know, cross, that's huge. Mm -hmm. But then we forget there's resurrection and then outpouring of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And now we as believers walk in the Spirit. And that's a really, it's not just that on Good Friday you have forgiveness of your sins. Mm -hmm. It's because of Good Friday you have freedom from your sins. That's right. And that is really, really good news that, man, we can. And 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 don't you think that without the resurrection, without the ascension, without Jesus being back at the right hand, Holy Spirit coming, we would have never known the reality of the cross. Mm-hmm. So resurrection, ascension, empowerment, the Holy Spirit, all of that gives validity to the That's cross. Right. That's right. That it was on the cross that our sins were paid for. And so imagine believing in this death without all this other. This other is the proof. Mm-hmm. And everything right. Jesus said and everything the Old Testament said about Salvation in Christ, the crucified Messiah, is true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what we're talking about is that new nature that the cross right. brings. Yeah. I think even if we go back to the, the Old Testament, it was the problem with Israel was, man, they didn't have hearts to obey. Right. That's right. And there's this promise at Ezekiel 36, uh, one of those passages that, that we're all familiar with. Um, but it starts off to say, I'm about to do a work, not for your sake, but for my sake. I'm going to glorify my name. There's a day coming when this is going to happen, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to obey my rules. And so there's this, hey, Israel, you're not getting it. You're in exile. You can't obey my word. But there is a day coming when I'm going to do a cosmic heart transplant, and that happens at the cross. That Because of the cross of Christ, um, when we believe in the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior, um, when God saves you, he changes you. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like you're forgiven and then, hey, good luck. Right. It's you're forgiven, but then God actually takes out. Right. Now think about a stone heart. Right. I mean, if you you know go grab a rock and start hitting it, nothing's going right. to happen. Mm-hmm. If you go to your best friend and start hitting him or her, Something's going to happen. They're going to yell or like something's going to be, because it's flesh. Flesh responds. So God's saying, you have a heart that doesn't respond to me. It's stone. But I'm going to give you a heart that responds to me, that knows me and is in tune to me. And with this new heart and with the spirit, God says, I'm going to cause you to obey my rules. So it's going to be that sanctification where God is going to make you more and more, less and less like Adam, more and more like Christ. And that is the beauty of Man, the gospel story. You haven't yeah. just been forgiven. You've been changed. That's right. Changed to raise right. uh, in a new life. And, and if you're new to the faith, uh, you, you'll hear Corey and Chris allude to these Old Testament passages. And if you check these out, you, you may come back and go, well, these were written to the house of Israel. Mm-hmm. These were written to the house of Judah. But please understand, when you read your New Testament in the full light of Jesus Christ, what you're going to understand is that these promises that were made to children in the Old Testament that seem to be talking to the physical descendants of Abraham, literally the New Testament says they apply to the spiritual descendants of Abraham, which is all of us who have faith in Jesus Christ. So when you hear Corey or Chris or us quoting from the Old Testament, uh, they're applicable to the church Mm -hmm. because ultimately in Ephesians, the purpose of a crucified Messiah was to go into the presence of God with his blood as an atoning sacrifice, making propitiation so that ultimately he could break down that middle wall of petition between Jews and Gentiles and create a new body, and that's, that's the church. And so yeah. it's ultimately God's church that should really be lapping yeah. this out 
and give hope to the world that they can also be in a right relationship yeah. with God. So yeah. just want to make sure because, you know, there was a time when I used to read my Old Testament and I'd see these promises and it was mm-hmm. like, whoa, that, no, no, that's to all of us who are spiritual descendants of Abraham, those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and one thing that, that Piper pointed out in one of his preaching books, talking about the Old Testament, New Testament, that, you know, when he comes out and you go to Old Testament, you think about, well, I can read this without the cross. And, but he'll say that every blessing offered to us in the Bible is only possible mm-hmm. through the cross mm-hmm. and the yeah. resurrection of Jesus. So God can't give us any blessings apart from the blood-bought gift purchased yeah. at the cross. So when you go to the Old Testament, it talks about a blessing, it talks about this. Hey, those come through obedience and you haven't obeyed, but Christ has, he obeyed for you. So the Old Testament and the New Testament, whenever there's a promise, there's a goodness from God, you can think, okay, the only way I get good gifts from God is through the blood-bought sacrifice of Christ. So it's really seeing all scripture, not that you go to the scripture and you go to the cross, but you see it through the cross, that the cross is the lens by which we look at the Bible to say, hey, the reason this is true is because Christ was was crucified and yeah, right. raised again. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I think it's also important. We've talked about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, those things. But I think we also miss where's Christ right now? That's right. That's right. That's like, right. Corey. He is right now at the right hand of the Father, yeah. interceding yeah. on our behalf. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we don't just have a Savior who died and rose again. And then it's like, hey, I'm out now. You know, playing video games and hope hope all things are right. going to go well. Right. No, He is praying right. for us. He is interceding for us. He is our advocate before the Father yep. on our behalf. So Jesus right now is doing work for right. you and me so that we will um, man, make it to the end, yeah, which is right. really, really comforting. That's right. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, we get comforted knowing someone's praying for us. Romans 8 says the Holy Spirit, third person trying God, is inside us making intercession. Jesus, second person trying God, is at the Father's right hand side making intercession for us. We win. That's right. We are going to come through. We are going to be who God wants us to be because think you got the Son and you got the Holy Spirit interceding for us to the Father. Father's going to answer That's right. that, that intercession on our behalf. Uh, a great thought too, Corey, just talking about the blessings, but I think the Romans passage is teaching too that, that even God's blessing to all the Old Testament saints was based on him knowing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. one day he was going to deal with all their sin in the, in the blood, in the sacrifice of Christ. So the sacrificial system they had in the Old Testament, the blood of the bulls and goats, was literally just rolling sin mm-hmm. forward, covering sin, knowing, God right. knowing that one day he would fully deal with all sin, all past sin, all future sin, all placed on Christ. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, that's right. Whew, that's the agony of the cross, not that physical suffering. Mm-hmm. It was knowing he was going to be separated from the Father and he was going to pay our sin debt. But in knowing he was going to pay our sin debt, think about this. He knew the finished product was we were going to be set free from sin, no longer separate from God. We would be God's child. And that's just amazing, amazing, amazing. And I think even when you were hitting on the Old Testament earlier too, of uh, Jesus makes it clear at the end of Luke, that everything is about him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it even says, uh, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law and the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And mm-hmm. to me, it's just so encouraging knowing, mm-hmm. as you say, the main thing's the main thing from Genesis to Revelation. It's all about Jesus mm-hmm. and, what he, and what he did on that cross and mm-hmm. how he raised from the dead. And so we have that as a point, that everything is pointing to what he did for us. That gives hope for the future, too, because the Old Testament prophecies, we see where they were fulfilled, and we have New Testament prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled, and they're going to be. That's right. That's right. I was thinking about the two gardens. you got, you know, mm-hmm. the, the garden, Adam and Eve, they sin. They, they should die. The command was, if you sin, you'll die. But now they're alive, and they're not covered in fig leaves. They're covered in skin. Mm-hmm. And they, well, how do you get skin? There has to be a dead animal. It has to be blood. So you've got even, though the text doesn't say, there's probably a dead animal in the garden. And now there's these mm-hmm. people who are covered with skin. So even in that first garden, then you go to, the end garden or the new creation where you have, we're all worshiping Jesus. And uh, in there he's referred to not just as the king, not just as the lion, but also as the lamb. And it's this man, there's the, the, the full sacrifice in the greater garden that we're here covered in his righteousness. Right. 
Um, so as you were mentioning, it's like the whole story, That's right. man, the whole Bible, there's a cross right, right in the middle of it. That's everything right. was pointing to it. Everything flows from it. And so God's redemptive story, like the song of heaven, will be, man, the cross of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, right. uh, and even just thinking about, you've hit on this a lot, just, man, that he will bear mm-hmm. the, yeah. the scars That's for right. eternity. Mm-hmm. That when we see yeah. Jesus, we will see scars in his hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will be reminded of, I'm here, not yep. because I was a good little boy or yep. I got it right. I'm here because of him. And I should be there, but he took my place, which is right. just. Yeah. Go ahead. Course, i got to say this. Now, Katie, you know, when, when, when you're mentioning that, and of course, we talked about this in our Lord's Supper service. But when you talk about that prophecy, uh, if you remember uh, when Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper from Passover, knowing that he's holding in his hand mm-hmm. bread. And the fruit of the vine. Mm. Knowing that ultimately he's saying, this is my body, this is my blood. But that was the third cup. Mm-hmm. There was that fourth cup mm-hmm. during the Passover meal. And if you remember, and, and I think this used my sanctified imagination, Jesus looked at that fourth cup never drank it. Mm-hmm. And said, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until that day I drink anew in my Father's kingdom. Mm-hmm. So I think he left that fourth cup, didn't drink it. But he's going to drink it new with us in the Father's kingdom. And so that's that prophecy mm-hmm. that, man, he didn't just die for us right now to free us from sin right now. But ultimately, his death, burial, and resurrection is going to allow us to be with God forever and ever and ever on a new heaven, right. new earth. And we're going to enjoy the kingdom of God forever. So this cross event, it's eternity. It's mm-hmm. everlasting right. for us. Just yeah. absolutely amazing. Can you imagine when Jesus comes back for us? And then fulfills that promise of setting up an eternal kingdom. Wow. It's going to be amazing. Now, I think, and I should have kept on reading my passage here, but uh, this is why we go. You know, and it even says, I I stop reading, and then verse 46 here, it says, This is written that Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending you the promises of my Father upon you. He talks about staying in a city until Pentecost. But then the thought there here is, I think the more we truly get this, the more hearts should just be, well, this is great, filled up with intellectual knowledge. It should be, we should have a desire to go because of what he's done and others yeah, to experience yeah. I was looking at your Bible and knew you didn't finish it. Yes, yes, going to finish it. But <laughs> if, if, if I'm understanding your Bible, which yeah. is the same Bible yeah. I've got, do you realize what this is saying? The whole Old Testament yeah. is mm-hmm. basically saying yeah. that Christ should suffer, yeah be raised on the third day, and yep. then we who have received yeah. that should take the message yeah. of repentance right. and faith to the nations. That's right. That's right. Wow. And wow, he's going to give us the yeah. Holy Spirit to empower That's us right. to do That's this. Right. Yeah, yeah. even like that thought of like the cross, not only does God create a new people, but a really a new cosmos and a new heaven, new earth. That's right. And if you look at, you know, Colossians 1 and Romans 8, the creation is groaning. There's fall. Man, there's earthquakes. There's flood. There's disasters. The whole earth is kind of off its axis um, from creation. And it's through the cross of Christ uh, that even the, the, the birth pains of the earth um, are going to get to see this new birth, this That's new right. creation. Christ in his resurrection was the first fruits. But there's more to come. We have a new people, a new place in God's presence, under God's word, as God's people. Um, and we get to experience all those like perfect blessings. So this is Easter season. Right. Uh, there is newness coming out of death. And we get to tell people, man, there's goodness. If you believe right. there's a kingdom coming um, where things are going to get better. Okay. We are about out of time. I'm going to rain y'all in for a minute, but I want to finish on this question because I think it's important too. I feel like, just like in Bible study, I feel like we've taken this idea of the cross, we've observed it, we've interpreted it through the scriptures, and now I want to apply it. That's what we always in in our precept studies. We, we want to apply what we've talked about to our own personal lives. And I think hearing from you as pastors, how this cross applies to you personally. Maybe you're going to think back on when you were saved. Maybe you're going to think of how you're living your life now in light of the cross. But what does the cross mean to you? Hmm, that's a good one. We'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, ultimately, like, it's an easy answer, but, I mean, it literally saved my life. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about, you know, as a 20-year-old kid thinking, man, I want to get a degree so I can make a lot of money so I can live a very self-indulgent life and, uh, I would have probably been somewhat moral, somewhat normal, but it would have been as, uh, you know, 
2 Timothy 3 says, I would have been a lover of self, and my life would have been about me. Um, but when I came to understand what Christ did for me on the cross, I ultimately became a lover of him. And so it changed my direction. Um, and when he forgave me, it gave me peace with God, literally changed my life, set it on a course to now ultimately love him as my treasure that was hidden in a field that I found and then in my joy sold everything I had to, to find him. And I don't do that perfectly, but man, I want the direction of my life to be about King Jesus being my treasure. And uh, man, he really did save me and change the direction of my life. I think for me... Uh, Either he did it or he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And if he did it, which I believe he did, it just provides hope. Mm-hmm. Because no matter what comes our way in this life, we have hope that he's defeated death. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just the perspective of everything about, okay, no matter what trials come our way, mm-hmm. I know he's coming back mm-hmm. because of what he did. And I'm able to persevere because of that truth. Mm-hmm. If he didn't do it, I'm going to lose hope and not being able to persevere, my life will look different. I think the other key application, how it just affects every single relationship I have, Mm -hmm. the more I understand of how he died for me, how he took on the sin for me, the more it affects the way I'm as a husband, as a way as I'm a father, as a way I am with what a student, with any relationship I have, I'm able to forgive, I'm able to display mercy, wanting to do those things, because I understand the forgiveness and mercy and grace mm-hmm. that's been given to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, wow, yeah. Yeah, I just uh, want to say amen to everything they have said, but you know, when I think about the cross, uh, I'm following Christ, and the thought that's on my mind most of the time, I am a follower of him, and here's what he said, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And so I just feel like this is the example that we are to live. Christ laid his life down for others. Mm -hmm. And in essence, that's what we as Christians are doing. We are laying our life down Mm -hmm. for others. We are living the life that he wants us to live because while Christ made the sacrifice, we're part of the family business, the kingdom, in that we have to carry that good Mm -hmm. news. And so I think just as Christ laid his life down for us, uh, I I think we lay our life Mm -hmm. down for others, ultimately knowing that when it's time, Mm -hmm. God will raise us up. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so I think the cross allows us to live a humble life. Mm -hmm. It allows us to live a life that puts others Mm -hmm. first because God had a redemptive plan for Christ, and that was to make the sacrifice. But God still has a redemptive plan for me in the life of individuals and all of us as individuals. And so this is where there's the God side of salvation, the human side of salvation. Mm -hmm. God uses us in taking this message to other people. And that's why it's so important because ultimately the world's not going to come to Christ through TV, radio, Facebook. The world's going to come to Christ by meeting individual Christians who are truly lifting this thing out. And, and I just think the cross is what empowers us to do that. It is the ultimate example of how we should live our life. Yeah. All right. Thank you. This this concludes our um, discussion over the cross. And I would just like, Corey, would you close us out in a prayer for everybody yeah. on this Good Friday? Yeah, absolutely. And just to, just to encourage you as we leave, Easter's coming. Um, you got those little cards. And I know for me, uh, I've stumbled at it a little bit to think, ah, man, I don't, you know, it, I don't want to disrupt somebody's life with the cross because they're they're fine. And then I think about I was not fine until I had the cross. So I think just, you know, that little nudge, I gave mine away this morning at a restaurant, and I actually had to go back in after I left because I'm like, okay, i got to go back in there. So I went back in. That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I'm like, this this guy's fine. He doesn't want to know this. And it's like, hey, you know, I needed to know this. So I went and told him, invited him to church. I don't know if he'll come or not. But just you have those little cards. People need to know about the cross. One real easy way. Egg somebody's house, give a card away, um, just go invite people to Easter and tell them the good news. Share it on Facebook, the sermon after it. Uh, tell people about it because we really want Easter to be, man, just an awesome time. Well, uh, let's pray together. Um, Father God, we come to you. Uh, God, we know this is Good Friday. Um, we, we call it good because it was good news for us. Amen. But this was not a Good Friday for Jesus. That's this right. was... Um, 
God, mm. nothing about him was good. Mm. He was separated from you for the first time in all eternity. Mm. Um, but God, it's good because it was good news for us. So God, I pray today, uh, whatever we do on this Good Friday, um, that we would remember the cross, we would think about the cross, that we would embrace the cross in our life, and that we would truly uh, live out the gospel because Christ now lives in us. Uh, so let us celebrate the cross. Let us thank you for the cross. Um, because all eternity, um, we are going to uh, worship you and be with you. And it's only because um, of the sacrifice of your son on the cross for us. So, God, we anticipate uh, celebrating Easter as a family together. Um, God, we are so looking forward to say, hey, the cross is not the end. Um, there's an empty tomb. There's a resurrection and ascension. And we're going to celebrate that this Sunday. Uh, so let us mourn a little today. Um, let us be sad a little bit tomorrow. But Sunday morning, let us raise with hope and joy because of the resurrection of Christ. Father, we love you. We thank you for the cross of Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.